football frenzy. Hey, hit me so hard down there. Presented by Dustin DeHart of Nova Home Loans. Call him now at 702-577-2600. The football frenzy on Cofield and Company. Company. Going to talk a little college football in about 15 minutes with a sideline reporter extraordinaire. She's got three games this week. Chris Budden is going to join Willie and myself, Steve Cofield. Twin Peaks on a Monday. Get ready for traditional Monday night football spot a little after 5 o'clock. Vikings and Bears. Vikings are minus 7 against the Bears who are very beat up because of COVID. And we got the Raiders game going on right now. I'm revived, by the way. Uh, good. I, yeah, I just said go on a break. I'm like, I don't know where he went, but I think he was, uh, he was very grumpy. He's very angry. Well, that's he got a little food in him, and now he's good to go. Yeah, that's. I'm not revived because I left and disappeared. And then he dropped off some of the food at the pool. Yeah, potentially. I, did, I have I, no idea. I didn't go in and check what just, you were doing. I just grubbed. It was it was it was excellent. That's that's the beauty of. No matter the mood that you when you end when you end up at Twin Peaks, you you end up in a good mood. No matter how you're feeling coming in, the food's great. The people are cool. There's TVs everywhere. Today we got a doubleheader of football, and we're here with prizes. So, yeah, just had some yeah. chicken and shrimp, and yeah. some some replace the fries for broccoli. You would have got the fries. Absolutely, well e- done. Extra crispy yeah. with gravy. With gravy. Hey, why not? A little gravy on the side. There's faith. A little brown gravy on the side. Seven nothing. Six minutes left in the first half. Raiders with the ball as they approach midfield. So I just mentioned a coke in the end of the bowl game between Coastal Carolina and Northern Illinois. Yeah. Uh, this is the kind of nonsense that goes on all the time with officials, folks. If you didn't see the end of the game, Northern Illinois is down forty-seven, forty-one. They're approaching the five-yard line. They throw it down to the two. Tight end gets out of bounds. And at that point, the referee had no idea what he was going to do. He half-assed kind of a wind the clock, and then that was it. So Coastal Carolina got up to the line. They set the ball. Two, one, over. Done. Ridiculous. I mean, if you're going to make the call, make it. Make it. And then the MAC commissioner sent out a message and said it was a, it was a night of mistakes Yeah, he's a, by the officials. Released a statement. Series of errors by the referees at the end of last night's NIU versus Coastal Carolina football game in Orlando. A series of errors by the on-field officials and the replay official denied NIU the opportunity to run one more play. Following the reception along the sideline, the play should have been stopped by for review. Also, the clock was not managed appropriately on what should have been the final play as the center judge should have been allowed to clear the center before the referee wound the clock. Egregious errors. So I, I mean, you get to this point in the season, you got you have to you have to review those and you have to make the right call. I mean, you owe it to the players that have worked all season to get to a bowl game, and uh, you you yourself, right? Not you yourself, but you yourself as as these referees, they work to be to be named to the officiating crews, just like. In the NFL, in the NBA, you always see the announcement. This, this is the, this is the postseason officiating crew for the NHL playoffs, the NBA playoffs, the Bulls. These guys work to be put on these these postseason crews. You got to you got to do it right. You can't be making mistakes. Some of these kids are never going to get to play football. Some of these kids played in their last football game. 
They're not going to the NFL. They're going to graduate. And the last thing they're going to remember, some guy in a zebra shirt blew it. End of your career. All right, get ready with a bunch of crunch, crunch. I'm just going to go through NFL headlines and see if you get a theme here. Crunch, crunch. Uh, Bucks wide receiver, Chris Godwin out for the season with torn ACL. Chiefs place Pro Bowl tight end, Travis Kelsey on the COVID list. Chargers Bosa on COVID list ruled out for this Sunday. Jared Goff on COVID list day after Lions upset win. There you go. A lot of of COVID-affected teams this past weekend, and it ain't going to change overnight this coming week. Can I just say that whenever you do the crunch crunch since I've joined the show, I don't know why, but in my head I hear the grab bag guy going, stick your hand in there, dude. I don't know why I crossed the two. It just pops they're in my very head. Di- they're very different. I just, I know. I just. And one is a demo Dave specialty, and the I, put your hand in there is uh, probably the most unique drop in the world. No one else will find it, and it's a former producer who put that in there. I just thought I'd share it. Stick your hand in there, dude. Stick your hand in there, Dave. Stick your hand in there, Dave. A lot of NFL headlines. A <laughs> lot of NFL headlines. Yes. And mostly COVID-related, unfortunately, right now. It's a friggin' mess. <laughs> Analytics suck. Stupid. Dumb. John Harbaugh, idiot. I'm, I'm reflecting the other side of this discussion. I'm not an anti-analytics person. Although I don't mind a gut-feeling move here and there. Gut feelings are good. Uh, Harbaugh yesterday goes for two at the end of the game. That was and it, that was a gut feeling, actually. That was not analytics. That was a gut feeling. Yeah. Why? What do you think he was thinking of? Why did he go for two in that situation? Harbaugh? Yeah. Failed again. That's two losses. That's two out of the three. last. Well, I mean, oh, you, could, yeah, you, could, yeah. you could chalk up last week as yeah, well. Yeah. In the past he went, three he went, weeks. Yeah. He's had a two-point conversion come up short. Now, but definitely two of the last three in the game-winning situation, nada. Why do you think he decided to go for two? Because it's, it's not just analytics. It's really not analytics at all. Well, you're playing against the Packers. A-Rodg. A-Rodg wins the coin flip. He may go down for a touchdown. You never get the ball. That's it. A-Rodg. I'm not going to say anything is guaranteed, but pretty much guaranteed to at least get a field goal. Yeah, he's going to come up with a couple of big plays. I just don't – I mean, that's probably what he was thinking. Whether or not I agree with his thinking is the question. You've got Huntley at quarterback, not Lamar. So, even if you get the ball in overtime, you're kind of squeezing the final blood, blood out of the turnover. don't you have to take that shot? Don't you have to take that shot? I'm, I'm all for going for two. A lot of it comes down to play call and execution, and the play call on the, uh, the two-point attempt by the Ravens wasn't I – didn't, I didn't love it. They had it well covered. He basically had one target. Um, also, there is nothing deceptive about a right-hand quarterback rolling to his right. Other thing. And you just had success. Do you try to run it there? Do you try to go RPO? Do you try to go multiple options? actually play 11-on-11 11 11 football and not go 10-on-11? I guess it's 11-on-11 11 because 11 Huntley's throwing it, but what do you do? Because that's the other thing. At all these fourth down, 
attempts, all these two-point conversions, all this stuff on the doorstep, you also, you also have to analyze what's happening with the play calling and then the execution after that. Uh, it's it's hard to say because of you know you you're you're reading the defense you're seeing the defensive reads you're on the goal line so obviously they're going to be lined up crunch you know crunched up in a goal line stance but it's tough because you don't have arguably the most dangerous weapon in the NFL in there as you said no Lamar so it's it's hard to say um, I going back real quick do you think that his decision was based on his quarterback or theirs? theirs okay well I just don't know if you take that shot if you like if you're thinking ahead well they can win the coin toss the Aaron Rodgers gets them I mean that's just a lot of thinking there's a lot of thinking going into that split second decision do I go for two you know well if we get the ball he won't do this he won't I mean I don't know if I would have went for two especially with previous weeks and you look at it now they're on the outside looking in they're seated eight so they still got some work to do. Um, they're not. They're not guaranteed a spot in the playoffs. The Bengals are currently leading the division. Now, what's crazy about this game that's on right now? The Browns win. They're in first place in the North. If they lose, they're in last place. That's how wacky that division is. Well, if you're gonna if you're gonna kill Harbaugh for the decision here and the fact that they've lost, you know a couple of games right at the end because of the decision to go for two. Don't you have to go back and go, um, he's rode the analytics thing. He's rode the aggression train the last three years when they went 35 and 13. Like I like it's, you know, we all, it's all, this is all results based when it ain't going, well, it's not, they're not converting. Then Harbaugh is a moron, but we didn't break down the 35 and 13 in the last three years, did we? When he had a similar approach. If he's so intent on going for two, why not go for it every time? I agree with that, man. I would love to see I'd love to see someone just start going for two all the time. Because that, that really you want to talk about the small sample size, then that's when I think the odds go in your favor. Go for yeah. it every time. Just yeah, just go for the two. First every touchdown, time. two. Let's go. Yep. I actually think, I think that's coming. I think actually that should be the case with most. You score if you score on your opening drive. Like you know how Adam said, has said, find a coach who's going to go for fourth and short. You know, especially between the forties. Da 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 da. If you score on the opening drive, your mindset: let's just go for two. If we got down there on our opening drive, uh, Carr just completed to Edwards, and they're down to the six yard line, leading seven nothing with a minute left in the second quarter. If you're if you can drive that quick down on the opening drive and score, then go for two. Because what's to say that you can't just keep driving down on a team? Take a shot. You know, you already probably have thrown that that team for a little bit of a loop, put them on their heels, go for two. So uh, with Harbaugh, why are we waiting until the end of the game? Go for two, especially playing against the Packers. You're going to need those points. That's, that's the game you should be ultra-aggressive, same attitude you yeah. know, the Chargers had with the Chiefs. Dustin DeHart of Nova Home Loans brings you the football frenzy. Dial 702-577-2600 now. Home prices have never been higher and interest rates have never been lower. Get your mortgage tune-up today by calling 577-2600. The main thing right now is that we're too inconsistent instead of just doing the same thing right over and over again. And that's as a whole. we got to be better as a whole. 
And if we can be consistent, we've shown that we can put up a lot of points and put up a lot of yards against some really good teams. Hanging at Twin Peaks for Monday Night Football, it's Cofield and Company. Out of all the Rangers, you know you're the mastermind. Run, run, Rudolph. Randolph ain't too far behind. Run, run, Rudolph. Santa's got to make it to town. Rolling on here to Monday, Cofield and Company, Steve, Willie, hanging out, getting ready for the traditional Monday Night Football spot. We're watching... Your Las Vegas Raiders now with a 10-0 lead. A minute left in the first half. Browns pretty debilitated from a roster standpoint because of COVID. I don't know what's going to happen the next three weeks in college football. I hope, I hope what's happening in the NFL doesn't happen in college football. Chris Budden covers college football. She's got a ton of games this week. Chris is up to talk a little college football with Willie and Cofield here in Vegas. How you doing, Chris? Hey, doing good. Keeping my fingers crossed that uh, we've been pretty successful this college football season. Hopefully we can make it to the end with no interruption. To, to, to start with that, Chris, I, I tend to get the feeling that we won't – this may be the area where we won't see that big of an impact because they're down to one game for each team outside of the semifinalists. They see what's taking place across the pro ranks and college basketball. They can sort of implement a precautionary measure and say, hey, you see what's going on. We only have one shot here. They're not going to delay. You know, Let's be careful. And I, I tend to think that they're going to isolate and sort of just play it like they did last year and have to be careful. Yeah, I'm not too worried about it. The, the rules that the NFL adopted or the protocols over the last weekend closely mimic what college – conferences have done all season which is if you are vaccinated you are not tested unless you show symptoms so the idea of close contact or an entire position group being wiped out because you all were in the same room doesn't exist unless you were to show symptoms which is how they've been able to get through this entire year Um, most teams are close to 90 some odd percent vaccinated Uh, Nick Saban just came out and said 90 percent of his team is also boosted Plus, you know, they're not going to class anymore. They're isolated within their hotel in their own group. So I think I think we should be good. Let's look back on the season in general. What do you think of the increased balance, a better chance for more schools to make the college football playoff? Yeah, I've been a proponent of and a big fan of Cincinnati to make it from the beginning. And I know that there is this, oh, hooray, a group of five team finally made it in. Unfortunately, every perfect domino had to fall in order for that to happen but i'm excited to see the intrigue i got covered michigan at the beginning of the year and the improvement that they have done is remarkable and just a a short window bringing in some youth uh in the coaching staff uh and then getting to see georgia as well i had them their last game of the regular season and then bama is bama as always but at least it's, it's at least it's not Clemson, Ohio State, and, and the same you know four teams that we're used to seeing. I think it will it, it broadens the amount of uh, geographically people that are going to watch. It's funny after the college football title game a year ago, one of my co-hosts was like, "Oh, it's just going to be the same next year." And at the time, mm-hmm. I actually made a bet with him. He took six teams. I took the rest of the country. I won the bet. 
uh, for the four teams that would get into the college football playoff. My rationale back then was, uh, one, we had a lot of young quarterbacks, new quarterbacks on the powers, and a couple of those situations didn't work out, like DJU at mm-hmm. Clemson. The other thing is the the big powers are not going to have highly experienced backup quarterbacks anymore. And while I guess I think a lot of people around college football look at the transfer portal as a negative, I actually think it's going to be great, and it's going to bring even more balance and unpredictability to the game. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, you think that, like, you bring up DJ Uyunglele, like, because he played two great games two years ago and was just part of this rotation at Clemson that automatically he was going to be the next superstar, and that's not always the case. I also think it's interesting how NIL plays a role in this. You know, is there so much pressure on a Spencer Rattler or a DJ Uyunglele because now they're making all this money and now they have to perform? So... You know, I don't know how much that played a role into it, but I also think that this year there was just a ton of parity. I mean, every week we're like, this is the craziest week in college football. And it just happened week after week, and all that craziness allowed a team like Cincinnati to finally break through. I also think the fact that because of the COVID year, and it's going to happen for a couple more years, you had a lot of teams mid-level yeah. and maybe teams that weren't great that had a bunch of guys who were back for a fifth and sixth year. Totally, and part of that is the defense that you see for Cincinnati and a lot of the guys on defense for Georgia. It's funny. We have no idea what to call players anymore because it'll say junior, and I'm like, are you a junior or are you a senior? And so, because some teams granted everybody an extra year. Some just gave seniors an extra year. Some, So basically we're qualifying it by how many years of eligibility do you have left? Because the idea of freshman, sophomore, junior, senior makes no sense anymore with the extra year. Chris Button covers college football for ESPN. She's got three games this week. We'll get into those games here in a second, just kind of wrapping up what happened during the season and also uh, looking ahead. Yeah, I think the, the, the super senior thing added a lot this year. And it, it's also confusing to people because I don't think people got, like you said, it was a little inconsistent with the COVID year. Like, I can't tell you how many times I saw the joke about Adrian Martinez at Nebraska. Like, he has another year. Yes, he does because of COVID, and now yeah. he's landed at K-State. And we're seeing quarterbacks, you know, Bo Nix in a, kind of a regional mix. That's that's crazy that he's going to go all the way from Auburn uh, up to Oregon. By the way, what do you think of uh, Oregon not going after a gigantic name but trying to pluck that, you know, that next guy? Same with Notre Dame with Marcus Freeman. Uh, but, you know, a pair of 35-year-olds who were coordinators, and, hey, let's grab them before they do become massive candidates everywhere. Yeah, I mean, it's a big bet. I, I, I love the idea of Marcus Freeman. He was already on the staff. And I'll tell you what, a lot of these coaches are bringing in younger guys on their staff. It's what Jim Harbaugh did with his defensive coordinator there at Michigan. I think he has six guys on his staff that are under 35 years old. So there's just something that resonates a little bit more. I mean, I don't know if you saw the video of when Marcus Freeman was introduced to that group, but they went nuts. So I just, it's a different generation now. And I, I think that, listen, you're putting all your chips in on someone that, that, you know, has no head coaching experience at that level. Uh, but if the players like it and it pays off, then it pays off big. Next time I go to the South, do I have to try a Southern accent? Do I follow what Brian Kelly did? What do you think of that? <laughs> Oh my God, that was horrible, right? Um, I like, I'm from the South. I was born in Atlanta, lived and grew up in Texas, still live here, and I've tried so hard to lose my Southern accent that it's taking years uh, at journalism school, and then it just takes you know 24 hours for him to learn how to say family. Family. 
He's gonna go. He's gonna go full Cajun Creole by the beginning of next season. Oh my! Like, who is this guy? What swamp did he crawl out of? Chris, uh, you spent Chris, you spent some time in San Diego as well. Um, tomorrow, there's some local interest here. Just a little bit, maybe some some alumni, and then UNLV Rebels uh, rival San Diego State plays in a bowl game tomorrow against UTSA. Your thoughts on the Aztecs? Yeah, the Frisco Bowl, which is uh, about a mile down the street from me. I loved covering the Aztecs when I was in San Diego. I was there when Rocky Long was there. Um, I have always, I think they played in this maybe three or four years ago as well. I don't know much about UNLV, but San Diego State has always been a program that, um, you know, it's always at the top of their conference. And uh, it'll be fun tomorrow. They play at Toyota Stadium, which is where the pro soccer team plays. Uh, and literally less than a mile <laughs> from my house. What are we looking for, uh, Army and Missouri? Yeah, uh, Missouri has no idea basically who they're going to play. They don't release a depth chart. We may not see their starting quarterback. Uh, so who knows what we will see. Army is a team that is uh, pissed off, for lack of a better word. Uh, their head coach, uh, Munkin, told us today that he's embarrassed for how they played against Navy. So I, I expect the Army to put up a showing in the Armed Forces Bowl out in Fort Worth on Wednesday. What's it like covering uh, Division Two? Oh, my gosh. You know, I was so excited for this game. Uh, probably the best story I've covered all year long. There's a quarterback by the name of Jared Bernhardt. He is the quarterback at Ferris State. He played at Maryland in lacrosse for four years, won a national championship. He won the Wharton Award, which is the Heisman of lacrosse. He then decides he has an extra year of eligibility and says, I want to go play football. My dad was a two-sports star, so he sent out emails. Ferris State was one of the few to actually read the email. They picked him up. He, in the semis, scored five, ran for five touchdowns. He ran for three in our game this past week, and he only played a quarter because he got injured. He is quick, he is fast, and he is going to get a shot at the NFL. And it is a remarkable story that he didn't play football for five years and was the best player in all of college lacrosse and then just picks up a, a football and starts playing. Uh, going back to, uh, you know, Brian Kelly mentioned and Marcus Freeman, what's the best or two best storylines for Okie State and Notre Dame? Yeah, I think that for Oklahoma State, it's a team that when you think of them has always been offense and they are defense-driven. Uh, they are physical, and they are fun to watch. I think for, for Notre Dame, it's how do you come out with a coach who will coach his first ever as a head coach at a New Year's Six Bowl? And so what does that look like for the team? Uh, most of the coaching staff stayed together. We're not sure yet who's going to call plays for defense. Uh, so what are the nerves like for Marcus Freeman in, in his head coaching debut and the Kind of the chaos that's been around that program that seemed to settle down recently. Chris Budden on this uh, Monday as we're tracking what's going on with the Raiders game, getting ready for the second NFL game of the day. I, I got to close on a couple of things. First of all, are you super pro holidays? Uh, I saw the other day that did your husband mm-hmm. have a company Christmas party. He did. Um, it, it was it was rather large, but it was fun to go to. We're super holidays. Um, like my, my Christmas lights have been up before Thanksgiving. My tree and all my presents have been wrapped. I also have a five and two year old, so we're kind of at the perfect age of Santa and the elf. And only twice has the elf not moved 
this season, so better than previous seasons. So, you know, five years old is like the perfect age for Christmas. Oh, yeah. I'm I'm so pro-Christmas and such a cheese ball. I don't have kids, but I miss the days of having a, a Christmas tree with, like, lots of gifts underneath it. I have been collecting gifts left and right, and I've now been giving myself and my <laughs> girlfriend presents, not only from us, but from our cats. There's a lot of there problems go. there, is there not? I'm also, strangely, I love Christmas, like, wrapping. Maybe it's an OCD thing, yeah. um, and I'm probably the only person, but I, like, thoroughly enjoy just sitting there watching, watch football and wrap some Christmas presents. That is. Uh, last one to close on. I wanted to get your take, going back to what we started with, kind of looking at the overall college football season. Um, I I wanted to get your take on, one, I don't know if you saw Gene Chizik whining about NIL and the money for the players, and then, you know, uh, Mike Leach complaining about the the opt-outs to go to the NFL. I I feel like there are people who get it and people who don't, and I saw this would be a good story to throw in front of, um, especially Gene Chizik. I saw you retweet a story about – a college football player who took his NIL money and was like, you know what, I'm going to give it to charity. Yeah, Tyler Lindenbaum, the center for Iowa. Yeah. It's unique. Um, I I obviously think that there's a generation that just doesn't get it. It's also a generation that that these kids have been getting money for a while, and it was just not publicized. And, you know, it was (laughs) in a convertible, you know, sitting down the street. I think, it, I mean, it's true. And so now I think the ability for everyone, I mean, I know there's a spotlight on college football because of the attention the minute gets, but the most money that, of an NIL deal has been given to a, a women's basketball player. It's those people, the smaller sports, someone like a Suni Lee at Auburn that would have never been able to take her uh, Olympic money and still be able to go to school. And so it, it's going to take a while for you know, an older generation to get used to the fact that these guys are making money. And I do think it disrupts the locker room if you let it. But the way that Nick Saban approached it with his guys was, okay, the offensive lineman isn't making as much money as the quarterback, but guess what? You want to go to the NFL? It's the same deal. So if you're going to let that disrupt your room, then you're not going to have a good team. And the coaches that, that approach it correctly, I think, are going to be successful at it. Obviously, it's completely changed recruiting with we saw what happened at Jackson State. But, I mean, it's a new era. It's also been around for a while. We're just all seeing it pay out in public. I just really hope they all get these kids really good accounts. That's a brilliant point, especially mentioning Saban. You're talking about one of the most hard-scrabble dudes, right? Best coach in the game. He has altered his style to be more understanding and embrace this thing. And I think lots of coaches can do this, but there is a group of coaches who I think are facing reality. They're like, wait, I can't control the kids. I can't scream at them. I can't call them names. Yeah. In Urban Meyer's case, I can't kick my <laughs> kicker. Like, guys, I know this is a feeling of being insecure, but shaking your fist at the sun and going, you know, this is wrong, it's a reflection on you. We all have to grow. Uh, if you're a leader, you got to grow and find different ways to manage because there are now new challenges out there. And if you can't do it, then you're probably going to be passed by. It's a little bit hypocritical, too, when you're being paid to no longer coach. So, right. Which is that was the, the problem case. with that one tweet, That's, yeah. Yeah, Gene Chesek is, like, swimming in his yeah. buyout money over the years. Like, come on. <laughs> yeah. Uh, happy holidays. We appreciate a couple minutes today. We know you're slammed this week, so thank you so much. Yeah, no problem. Appreciate the time. There she is, Chris Budden. All right, we come back. We get you updated on the Raiders game. We're going to get 
uh, deeper into what the hell's going on uh, with COVID, especially in the NBA and the NHL, in about 15 minutes. The big day is this Wednesday. Cofield and Company's Festivus on ESPN Las Vegas. Goes out, caught, but to Joyner, I believe, will they mark him out of bounds? If they mark him out of bounds, it stops the clock. Inbounds, inbounds. They will start on the referee's whistle. One second. Now, wait a minute. Coastal Carolina is celebrating. That's it. That's it. Coastal Carolina has made history. God, if I could spit fire right in your face, I would do it right now. God, I'm in such a metal mood. That's a great version. Great version. If you could spit fire in a little, my face. Some pyrotechnics during a metal concert. Why not? Sure. It's not like your hair is going to catch on fire. Your eyebrows. That would suck. My brow lady might be mad at you. you have a, do you have a brow person? No. Okay. I have a brow person for you. You just got a tip well. Is it wax or threading? It's uh, neither. It's old school. Professional way to do it. Tweezers? Yes. By the way, I have no idea what the SO does. So I know what she does, but I, I think, I'm think i pretty sure she's old school tweezers. She actually will not uh, tweeze my monobrow because I get very squeamish. I'm very wimpy when it comes to the tweezers. But you're a man. Do you, do you know where you, I was you before I came it. here? Um... Tanning salon? No. Pedicure? Manicure? I got the Manny Petty. Who commented a couple weeks ago about... And then I followed... Oh, we had a listener come up and uh, at Silver 7's like two weeks ago. And yeah. she noticed your, uh, your, your nails looking all good. Yeah. And she was like, guys don't do that. I'm shocked. I, I started the day with the Manny Petty. And then I went to the esthetician and got the facial. And then I came here. Very nice. I think that lady wanted to fight you at Silver 7's. Maybe. I think she was challenging her a little bit. She's like, what's with the nails? She would have won. I don't see most guys get that. She would have won. Um, I don't raise. She was hand. feisty. I don't raise my hands to a woman. No, I know, I know that. She uh, she had a mouth on her. She was cussing left and right. That was fun. She was. She was. She was awesome. She was having a good time. She, she enjoying she, happy hour over there. I will say this. She she did say, you know, she said, you don't see that, you don't see that on white men. Remember, mm, she okay. said it was on white men. Right, white lady said that too. I don't remember. She just said you don't see manicures these days on white men. Okay. And then I, I, we, I think we quickly fired in with a lot of MMA guys like that. I said, you don't? And she said, no. I said, well, I get them. That's it. I'm going to get a pedicure for myself. I'm gonna, you know what I'm going to do? As I was just telling uh, Santa Chris Budden, um, since we don't have a, an extended family here, I just everyone in the house gives gifts to the SO and myself. So one of the cats, I think, is going to give me a pedicure. I don't have one pedicure. decoration. I'm going to buy a pedicure gift certificate for myself, then re-gift it to myself. I have no decorations. You have nothing up? No. That's a shame. It's just Kulu and I. 
Do you have a stocking up for the dog? No. I already gave him his gift. Hoodie. Got him a hoodie so we could go. I saw the hoodie. For hiking, yeah. Saw the hoodie. But he, you know. Good looking outfit. It's too. For your overly muscular dog. It's too cold for him to go hiking without a hoodie right now. So he he had to get it early. But I do got a, I got a Christmas decorated toy. Like it's green and red, like the rope, the hard rope. I've been holding off on giving that to him. 10-0 at the break. Raiders on top of the Browns. Oh, boy. Browns, 1.7 yards per carry. Did Season check- low, 84 yards of offense in the first half. You, you got a couple of seconds here. Did you check the end game for the halftime? No? No hedging? You're going. You're hedging? Just- I have the Browns. Well, yeah. I mean. Just keep just keep piling on the Browns. Sure. <laughs> just keep piling on this losing cause. Just figure out a way to get back into the game. I mean, it is the Raiders, and they have had trouble closing out games, right? And especially in the second half of these last three seasons. So maybe it is a, a bet against the Raiders still in the second half. But Nick Mullins and company has not looked good. He has not. He's has he has he has he looked bad, or have the Raiders has the Raiders defense looked good? I haven't been paying attention too much because I've been. We've been on the show, but every time I look up, the kid's struggling. Let's give away another cool prize. Caller 7-364-1100-364-1100. We've got two tickets to the Las Vegas Bowl coming up on the 30th at the Al. you got Wisconsin and Arizona State, and you also get two movie tickets, two tickets to see the, uh, the movie National Champions. It's the Press Box Ultimate Football Fan Prize Pack. 364 1100, 364 1100. Caller 11, 364 1100. Not to confuse people. Caller 11, caller 11, caller 11. There it is, the ultimate football fan prize pack. Tickets to the LV Bowl and also the uh, movie National Champions. Join the conversation on Twitter at Cofield and Co. It's called Cofield and Company. So sometimes you can let your company talk every once in a while instead of asking them a question and then continuing to bloviate for about 45 seconds before you've already finished up the topic and then moved on. I've had to learn the special language of Steve Cofield, which includes five and six and 20 second pauses in the middle of sentences, and which you don't really know is it my time to talk or is this just Steve sucking in a little air to get ready for the next three minutes? This Wednesday, during Cofield and Company, call in to give the guys the business on ESPN Las Vegas. Yep, Aaron, your grievance is coming up. Live radio, it gets ugly. That was Adam Candy, who, of course, is a joy to do the show with. Very easy. Willie Ramirez is here. It's Cofield. Another joy to do the show with. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, the gloves are coming off. The gloves are coming off on Wednesday, and then the callers get to chime in, and uh, you do what you want. You, you want to come after us? Uh, you can go after our award-winning morning show. I wouldn't. I mean, I think everything on that show is perfect. Radio Nation Radio, no faults with that place, and, of course, uh, Fox Sports Las Vegas, all good. Don't call in about any of those shows and give out any of your gripes. Ooh, there's conflicting reports. Tyler and Ed have been begging for the, for the calls. They want nothing. I don't know. All, all I heard last uh, last week was uh, Tyler introing his show each day with his promo and pounding the fact that Ed wasn't there. Like, oh no, they they've been does pro- not sound happy. They promoted the heck out of Festivus today, and Tyler's like, please call. Matter of fact, call in right now and complain about us. Give us the business. Imagine if we did a Festivus phone call show on COVID. Up yours, COVID, because you're screwing up the sports world. Schedules are. We could all just are, take the week off. Are jacked. The NFL's a mess, but we're trying to get a grasp on what the hell's going on in the uh, the NBA and the NHL. 
By the way, we're getting ready for a Monday Night Football game tonight, so another game on the way, and the Bears have been smashed by COVID. Vikes and Bears. Yeah, and as a matter of fact, joining us right now to discuss that, my guy out of the Twin Cities, one of the first, when he was with the Associated Press, first guys that sort of embraced me when I joined the Associated Press, now senior writer for The Athletic, covering the Timberwolves at the NBA and the Vikings, John Krasinski. John, welcome to the show. Willie, what's up, my man? Good to hear your voice. Hope you guys are doing well. Well, you know, we're just trying to muddle our way through COVID and suspended seasons or, or schedules, excuse me, not seasons, uh, schedules here and there. The Raiders and the Golden Knights are holding up. The Vikings, they're, they're on the docket today, them and the Bears. I mean, I looked at the injury report for both those teams tonight, whether it's COVID, whether it's injuries. Talk about a laundry list of injuries for both teams. What is going on with tonight's second game of the NFL doubleheader? Yeah, I think it's just a, a sign of the times here, Willie. I mean, you're looking at COVID really, you know, kind of wreaking havoc with both of these rosters, more so obviously Chicago. But, uh, and then, you know, the Vikings obviously dealing with a few of their own injuries, but then also they just uh, sent Rashad Breeland packing uh, the one of their starting the defensive backs after he kind of blew up at practice this weekend. So, they're a little shorthanded in the secondary, but for Chicago, who just uh, a couple of hours ago really announced that all four of their starting defensive backs, Artie Burns, Jalen Johnson, Eddie Jackson, Sean Gibson, are all out tonight against the Vikings. Um, that's just uh, an unbelievable kind of turn of events here. And so um, I'm sure that Justin Jefferson wearing his Randy Moss Pro Bowl jersey in pregame warm-ups is ready to put on a show tonight. Well, and let's talk a little bit about this, the, the COVID issue. We'll start with the NFL. So had some, some games pushed back. Obviously, one going on right now, Raiders-Browns. got two games tomorrow, Washington-Philly and the uh, Seahawks and the Rams. And I think part of the agreement had to have been where they, okay, we, we'll push these games back and, and making an agreement with the NFLPA, but at the same time in negotiating how they were going to do testing and eliminating testing those players that have been vaccinated if you can just sort of you know in, enlighten the listeners and, and explain what's going on and, and where we're headed here for the final few weeks and what the nfl and the nflpa sort of collaborating to make sure that they can limit the positive test and get into the postseason yeah i mean i, I do think with the the increase in the number of positive tests out there and the cases that are out there with the omicron variant and with uh, kind of how contagious this remains to be. Really, um, all of the leagues, the NFL, the NBA, everyone uh, is kind of faced with a choice right now, and it's not either. They're not very good choices, but um, you know, either you can shut down, you can postpone games, you can pause season, you can do all of those things um, while you hope that players will will kind of get through it, uh, or you can kind of try to move forward. Um, in, in terms of you know, not testing those who are vaccinated, maybe looking eventually at um, letting players who are asymptomatic play, um, you know, things of that nature, and just trying to muddle through it. I can tell you that in talking to people around both leagues, the NBA and the NFL, there does not seem to be much of a, an appetite or a stomach for shutting the season down. Um, so they want to keep playing. In the NBA, they're 
clearing the way to sign a bunch of guys to 10-day contracts to replace uh, players who have entered the protocols. In the, in the NFL, they're pushing games back one or two days to try and give teams enough time to float through and, and, and get to the other side. But in the meantime, what you're seeing are the Nick Mullins of the world quarterbacking uh, Cleveland. You're seeing, you know, you know, kind of just having to scrape the bottom of your roster and uh, practice squads and all of these other things to get through um, because uh, the owners and I don't think the, the, the PAs either want to um, extend the season or shut the season down at all. So they're just trying to get through it as best they can. We see the NHL now more than a quarter of the teams are shut down temporarily. Um, the NBA, as you mentioned, they're during this wave of COVID-19 infections, the league players union agreeing to allow teams to sign replacement player uh, for each player under contract. And if I'm not, if I'm not mistaken, so it doesn't affect the salary cap um, in the NHL. They've, they've, they've stopped, they've temporarily stopped the cross border traveling Canada to United States and vice versa with the lone team in Toronto. What has there been talk? Have I missed something there, but have they done anything to discuss that aspect in terms of the Raptors? I have not seen anything yet substantive on, on that front, Willie, but I do think that it certainly has to be being discussed. Obviously, the um, protocols between what the United States is doing for COVID, what Canada is doing for COVID are different. Um, clearly, last year, the Raptors had to play in Tampa um, because, of, uh, because of all the situation in, in Canada. So, but I have not heard if there is going to be any kind of change in the cross-border travel yet or anything like that. They are, they are continuing to, to, to kind of try and move forward here, but certainly that is something that everyone is watching closely, and that it, you know obviously is one of the things that could really make persevering through this difficult if the Canadian government kind of changes uh, the way that... Uh, you know, flights can come in and out of the country. Um, that you know, their their residents can can uh, can move about North America and elsewhere. Um, that could absolutely have a big effect on uh, what they're going to do going forward here. But nothing concrete yet, to my knowledge, on that front. Let's step away from COVID for a moment. Um, talk some basketball. Talk some NBA. In in the past years, past. Um, as once I joined AP and, and, and you know the NBA Summer League, you you've been out here several times um, for that. I, I know that there was talk. I would say maybe five six years ago, the first time it ever came up, myself and one of the local radio analysts um, on a national level, uh, we had heard you know if there was ever going to be, and I think this was even before the Golden Knights moved here. They were talking about NBA to Vegas, and one of the teams that continually came up was the Pelicans because. Um, they, the Saints had sort of taken precedent with that family, and, and, and there was one thing that they didn't mind getting rid of. It was the Pelicans. Recently, the team that's been brought up by several different uh, financial groups' interest was the Timberwolves. I'm just curious your thoughts on, on what you've heard in Las Vegas being a landing spot. I mean, right now the big talk is, is landing the Oakland A's and the Major League Baseball team. The NBA and I think baseball are both headed to Vegas within the next decade, but... Your 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 
what you're hearing, your thoughts, and, and anything on the Timberwolves um, in possibly being a team being relocated? Yeah, I mean, I would say that I definitely do think that Las Vegas, with the way that things have gone with the Golden Knights and the Raiders there, there is obviously big-time intrigue with the Vegas market from an NBA standpoint. Um, from what I know, and, and when the, the, the Timberwolves recently brought on two new minority owners, Alex Rodriguez and Mark Laurie, and the plan is is that by the end of 2023, they are going to kind of transition from minority owners to majority owners of the Timberwolves. And when this deal first came to fruition, there was a lot of speculation about the possibility of them moving the team either to Seattle, to Las Vegas, something like that, um, and, and seeing if they might get a fresh start in a new market. So far, everything that I've been told, both from the ownership group right now, from the league itself, from other owners around the league, is that there is not much appetite to move out of the Minneapolis market. It is the 14th largest market in the league. Um, the, the owners want a good team here. They don't want to leave this market. So um, I have certainly heard that Las Vegas and Seattle obviously are the two main destinations that are possible for a franchise that moves. I think the Pelicans are much more likely to happen than the Timberwolves um, at, at this point. But the, uh, the other thing that I think is a very real possibility um, is that you could just get an expansion team in Las Vegas and in Seattle. Um, the, the, you know, the league is trying to look for ways to recoup some of the money that it lost from the pandemic season last year without any fans in it and trying to really bolster the, um, the, the revenues for, for the league. And you're talking about an expansion fee north of $2 billion for each city, um, Seattle and Las Vegas, presumably. And I think for a move, to move a franchise, it would be much, much less. For, for, for going into the league's coffers. And so that's why I think that, you know, there's a strong possibility that expansion will eventually be explored and that Vegas would be high on that list. And certainly maybe, maybe New Orleans, maybe it's Memphis down the road, maybe it's someone else like that. But I think that the Wolves are pretty, pretty firmly staying put here for the, for the next, I would say, decade at least. John, we appreciate the time. Thank you so much. You can gather, guys. Thanks a lot. John, appreciate you, buddy. I'll talk to you soon. All right, Willie. We'll see you. Coming up, 4 o'clock hour, we'll get you an update on what's going on with the Raiders and the Browns, and we find out uh, who's on the naughty and nice list on Cofield and Company. Ice cold 29 degree beer for under $4 and cheap appetizers all game long. Get down here to Twin Peaks.